home of Arizona Diamondbacks baseball. 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Diamondbacks front office focus with Wolf and Luke. Presented by Gettle Air Conditioning and Plumbing. G-O-E-T-T-L. It'll keep you cool, but it's hard to spell. Gettle.com. At D-backs in Milwaukee, game starts in about an hour and a half, and that is, of course, the season finale for the 2022 D-backs. Wolf, Merrill Kelly on the mound against Corbin Burns. Pretty good pitching matchup to close out the, uh, the season. Indeed. D-backs looking to uh, to win the final game of the season, get the 74 wins, which would uh, make me the big winner on this show, actually. Joining us right now on the uh, Arizona Sports Line is D-backs assistant GM Mike Fitzgerald. Mike, thank you for the time. How uh, how, how do you approach the end of the regular season? Um, I think we try to take a holistic view and it, it can kind of be easy to get caught up in the more recent trends, but we kind of want to figure out where our feet are at. Um, what are the things that, that we're buying going into next year uh, being sustainable? What, what are the areas of focus that we got to lock in on? Um, I think the big one that everybody feels right now uh, is, is being able to, to close leads late in games and, and converting those into W's. Um, so, you know, we, we got 46 games this year. We're unfortunately we were no worse than tied in the sixth inning or later and, and ended up taking a loss in those games. And so I think the general feeling around the group is we left a lot of chips on the table and we got to figure out ways moving forward in 2023 to, to clean that up. And big part of that's going to fall in the bullpen. Um, big part of that's going to be on offensive, finding extended runs to turn 3-1 games into 4-1, 5-1 games um, and, and, and just find a way to, to tally up those, those games in the win column so that – 365 days from now, we're, uh, we're getting back to you know being in a spot that we want to be in. Mike, on that note right there, what do you think right now, what do you think is sustainable for this team going forward? I think the offensive identity has started to kind of come into play. I know we talked about that a few weeks ago. Um, the athleticism that we're putting out there on an nightly basis from a defensive uh, perspective is, is showing up on the bases as well. Um, I think we were one of the top base running teams in the league this year, and that can, these are going to need to continue to be part of our, our identity moving forward. Um, I think the quality of at-bats that we put together with this group that we have now that's been together for pretty much the second half of the season um, has been encouraging. And at the same time, there's still been some growing pains there in terms of having some nights, you know, like last night, um, where we, we you know, have, don't have much to show for it. But I, I think the, the offensive identity being athletic, uh, lengthening lineups. We've done a good job of that against right-handed pitching. We definitely need to lock in and doing a better job of that against left-handed pitching. Um, but yeah, I think the, the athleticism and the lengthening of lineups should be sustainable for us moving forward. And then on the pitching side of the ball, obviously Merrill and Gallon having the seasons they had, uh, needing them to continue to be leaders in that rotation heading into next year. Um, and then having some of that youthful pitching come up and, and fill in uh, the open roles within the squad and, and find ways to help us continue to push forward. Talking to uh, D-backs assistant GM Mike Fitzgerald. Mike, you mentioned the bullpen, um, and obviously that's a priority this offseason. It is also something you guys did address last offseason, though. I mean, you went out and got a guy in Mark Melanson. It's not all him, but, I mean, you, you went out and got a guy that, that had great numbers. Is that just by nature a difficult part to, uh, of, a, of a baseball roster to predict from year to year? Yeah, I think – it's probably one of the more difficult areas when you're talking about guys getting 60 innings uh, on a full season. You can you can see some pretty significant variability from year to year. Um, but we also got to be honest with ourselves in terms of how we've tried to approach solving that problem. So um, we've we've targeted kind of a free agent pool, and, and yes, we upgraded on the free agent pool that we went after in the more recent years. Um, 
but you know we need to we need to kind of put all hands on deck in terms of diving into the strong bullpens out across the league and how they're built and ways in which they look to maximize uh, the different types of looks that you can have in a pen and trying to managing finding guys that have the heartbeat to be able to take those later inning roles when when those final outs inevitably seem to get a little bit tougher for everybody um, but then also having enough matchup ability and and different differencing skill sets in the bullpen to um, be able to look at a Dodgers and a Padres lineup and say, okay, for this pocket of hitters, here's what we feel pretty good about um, rolling these guys out there and, and maximizing the chances of getting three outs before anybody touches home plate. So, yeah, I think we'll continue to canvas the free agent market, um, and then I think we'll also look for other avenues in which we can try to upgrade this group as well. Mike, so much of playing in the game of football is about the culture of a team, and I think to a large extent the NBA would probably say the same thing. Forgive me if I've actually asked you this before, but is there a culture that you believe is important to to um, build inside of this clubhouse? Is it there, and do you think you should build culture inside the clubhouse? thousand percent buy into culture being a very impactful thing, uh, even in our game, where it's kind of uh, typically described as the series of one-on-one matchups, and so maybe it's perceived to be less important. Um, but no, I definitely think it's of massive importance in, within a clubhouse, um, and I think we are growing in that direction. Do we have that ideal culture for um, what we would all draw up on paper for what we'd look for? I don't think we're quite there yet, um, but we are moving in the direction um, our, our game's tricky in, in the sense that we don't really get a ton of practice time, right? You, right. In some ways, it's it's beneficial. Um, you, you deal with a crappy loss, you can shower it off and, and jump back in the next day. Um, but there's times where you almost wish you could call a timeout and say, hold on, let's evaluate where we're at right now. Maybe we need to address some things from a practice standpoint so we can clean that up the next time we go into competition. Um, so I think the biggest part of culture is, is guys uh, being relentless and developing their work habits. And I think we are moving in a positive direction in that area. We still have some, some room to grow. Um, and then the other part of that culture that I think we, we talk about a decent amount is, is expectations and, um, and the expectation to win. Um, I, I think we're growing into that now. I think uh, the, the loss the other night, we come in, there's a group of guys there that are noticeably frustrated and feeling like we left chips on the table. Yeah. Um, you, you want that to be the collective mentality that, by and large, that has been the theme of this year. We have left chips on the table. And so you want guys to be frustrated by that. Um, you don't want it to linger and carry into the next day. You want there right. to be a turning of the page. But, you, you know, you, you want you want to mean something. Um, and you want that care factor to be high. And I do feel like, by and large, we have a majority of guys here uh, that are wired that way. Talking to D-backs assistant GM Mike Fitzgerald. Uh, Mike, spring training next year. I know that's, you know, it's, what, three, four, five months away. But considering what you have seen from the young guys on this team, particularly in the outfield where you, you almost have an overabundance of them, uh, we, it feels like we're coming up on one of the more uh, competitive D-back spring trainings we've had in recent memory. For sure, for sure. And competitiveness breeds excellence. So um, we're, we're looking for these guys to push each other. A lot of the younger guys have been pushing each other all throughout their time in the minor leagues. Um, we want that same crop of young pitching to be able to do the same and, and both help each other out and pull for each other, but but want to one-up your brother uh, from night to night as well. You know, I, th- I think that's a healthy competitiveness and can be beneficial in that area. Um, so we're excited for this group. At the same time, you know, this isn't just, hey, let's pack up the bags and put the balls and gloves and bats away and, and we'll see in spring training we got we got four four and a half five months for these guys to really dive in um address the areas of weaknesses that 
that they want to improve on with a, with a targeted approach um, and make sure that we're, we're showing up next middle of next February uh, as improved and further developed players and not just the same guys that we are here on October 5th. So, Mike, when you guys are sitting around the big rectangle and you're talking about your team, you're talking about individual yeah. players, is there one guy? Is there is there one guy that you said, man, I did not see that coming? And if so, who is that one guy? Yeah, um, it's tough because coming off of last year, everybody's kind of anchored uh, with that that rough year we had collectively. Um, the, the two guys that probably had the most impressive jumps from last year to this year uh, that were relatively under the radar names are probably Merrill and Walker. Mm. Uh, but I do think there was conviction, you know, within this coaching staff group, within this baseball support staff group uh, that, that saw those guys having the capability to go out and put the years that they did and, and credit to them for addressing the areas that, that they wanted to clean up in the off season and kind of the topic we were just talking about. I think those two guys are really good examples of guys that um, really got the most out of those four months of downtime mm. uh, to kind of step out of the competitive space, but, but dive into what are the tools that they need to add to their tool belt to get to where they want to go from a performance standpoint. I think both those guys did that. Um, and I hope that, a year from now, we're able to say that, that we got more than just those two guys that really dove into that and, and took massive steps forward. Mike, you mentioned uh, before, you know, the, the competition of guys that, that have played together in the minors pushing each other here at the major league level. How, how much of a point of emphasis was that and is that for you guys to not only get some of these prospects, but then to let them develop together at each level as they come up? It's a balance that we try to strike where you, you want to – treat each player individually and make sure that the appropriate challenges that you think they need to get to where they want to be from a major league standpoint, uh, that they're getting those in a timely fashion. But at the same time, going back to the culture discussion that we were having, if that's something that we believe in, which it is, and, and we want to find ways to develop that strongly, um, part of that is, is getting these guys to be able to play together more consistently. Um, and so it's, it's a balance that we try to strike where we want to make sure that each player's on their individualized path to maximize their success. Um, but then we also know that there's there's massive value when guys are coming up. I think Stone Garrett made the comment publicly, we might have talked about this last time, um, that somebody was asking him, you know, hey, what were the nerves like for your big league debut? And he's like, they were definitely there. But then I kind of looked around the clubhouse and was like, oh, you know what? I've, I've played with eight or nine of these guys for a, a decent amount of time, and it kind of brings um, a level of comfort, right? So comfort, we never want comfort to turn into complacency, um, but when comfort turns into, all right, I feel like, I belong here and I have an opportunity to help the team win. We think that that good benefits can come from that. So Mike, what is the next box you and the front office have got to check going forward? What is that box? I, I think it's, it's bullpen. Uh, that's the biggest puzzle that we've not done a great job of solving. Um, and so we, we need to find a better way to do that. And I think the encouraging thing is the way this team's set up, there's significant opportunity um, for us to, if, if our ability to solve that puzzle of, converting late game leads into W's uh, will will translate into wins given the rate at which we're building leads here with this group that we have based on the starting pitching and the, and the lineup that we're putting together. So I think that's the biggest area. Um, we need to get creative. Uh, we need to be honest and acknowledge the areas where we've missed on this before and, and make sure that we can make good strategic bets moving forward and, and round this group up so that this time next year uh, we're not sitting there having a conversation about you know, the, the moral victories and the feeling good about mm-hmm. last year, but we're, we're actually talking about playoff competition and, and tasting champagne again. Mike, we appreciate the time as always. Thank Love you. Love talking right. to you, Mike. Thanks, guys. Take care.